Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 239, air date January 30th, 2018. <laughs> All right, thank you for coming. Is everyone from BC here? How many people are undergraduates? All right, any graduate students? Okay, how many people are from Boston? Wow, that's interesting, huh? No one. All right, interesting. Okay, well, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Christian, for hosting me and uh, the, the uh, College Republican Club. You know, we're at an interesting point uh, in American history. You know, the Trump election, in my opinion, really changed things in a very significant way. And I'm, I'm hopeful that people understand um, what that election really meant. It's a pretty historic event. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk a little bit about my background in the context of that and why my running and defeating Elizabeth Warren, why that too is going to be a historic event in many, many different ways. Um, when you really look at where we're at right now, um, in the arc of human history, if you look at it, there's always been three dynamics to human history, uh, particularly political history. What I call, there's, a, there's been one group called the establishment. Right, and, and I define that as those people want to keep things as they are, right? They like things as they are because they profit from it. It's comfortable for them. Uh, and that's what we call the establishment. On the other hand, if you look at history, there's been people who we call change agents. And most of those people have not been sophisticated. Uh, they have rough edges. They're not perfect, right? They're not who you think uh, is supposed to be uh, the right person at the right time, right? Um, but the change agents have historically been people who've moved history forward. Many of those people's names we don't even know. So if you look at the Civil Rights Movement, it wasn't Martin Luther King, sorry to say, that really created the Civil Rights Movement. It was people's names who we do not know. You know, later on, Martin Luther King came, and later on, Lyndon B. Johnson came. If you look at the Women's Rights Movement, it wasn't the Democratic Party. In fact, the Democrats laughed Susan B. Anthony out when she proposed the idea of women's rights. It was people, again, who took to the streets and created movements. So my point has always been movements that have changed the world. It hasn't been individuals, and it surely hasn't been politicians, because most politicians you know, are opportunists. They follow which way the wind blows. But it has been people in mass, and it has typically occurred when the conditions have been right at a certain point in history. So you have the establishment, and you have the change agents. But there's a third element, which is probably the more insidious element. And I call it the not so obvious establishment. All right? And that element always purports to want to help the people. It purports to want to help the masses. But it exists to basically funnel the anger out of people, funnel the passion out of people, and funnel it back into the establishment. Got it? And I want to give you a couple of examples of that so you understand why Trump's victory was so historic. Um, is that in the past election, over here was Hillary Clinton. She was clearly the establishment candidate. And in fact, it was so obvious she was the establishment candidate. Uh, to observe this was fascinating because what you saw was not only did obviously Bill Clinton support her and Obama, but who else supported her? Who else? The Bushes. The Bushes and the Romneys, okay? You see, Washington actually runs by families, four families prior to the Trumps coming in control of Washington, the Romneys, the Bushes, the Clintons and the Obamas, all right? All of them consolidated around Hillary Clinton. Over here was, frankly, Donald Trump. 
um, and he was an agent of change because he was throwing a wrench into the whole racket of how establishment politics was being run. Whether people like him or not, he was essentially an agent of change. And so what did the establishment do? In the midst of this, they put in Bernie Sanders. Okay, and Bernie Sanders spoke the language of, you know, very interesting words he'd use, right? Revolution, change, hope, blah, 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 right? And he took a lot of young people who thought, oh, this guy's really the change agent, and sucked him back into the establishment. And he did that when he supported Hillary Clinton. And by the way, this is a <clears throat> recurrent process in American history. In 1984, Jesse Jackson did the exact same thing. I was a student at MIT at the time, an undergraduate. Uh, I was very in, much into politics. You see, I came from India in a caste system. You won't find a lot of Indians like me in America. India has a caste system. We were considered the low caste untouchables or the deplorables. So the fact that my parents even came to India was significant. I went through the New Jersey public school system at the age of 14. You know, I was one of those kids who was very highly motivated. I also had a lawn mowing business, was in you know, American Legion, Jersey, Boys State, uh, played baseball. But at the age of 14, I finished up all my uh, courses in math, ended up going to NYU, and started working full-time where I invented the first email system, and I'll come back to that. So you're looking at someone who'd gone through the American uh, journey, went to MIT, and when I was at MIT in 1982-3, I was very interested in the political system, why the caste system existed. So when I saw Jesse Jackson running, it was Ronald Reagan over here, it was Walter Mondale, this guy Jesse Jackson claimed he was an anti-establishment candidate. But what Jesse Jackson did at the last minute was he gives all of his votes to Walter Mondale saying, you know, we gotta have the lesser of two evils. Everyone heard this, right? It's a two-party model. So that's when I broke with both parties as a young teenager, probably not that different or in my early 19, 20 year old. And I realized that both of these dynamics of the establishment, the true change agents, and then there was a not so obvious establishment. In that case, it was Jesse Jackson, right? In the modern case in 2016, it was Bernie Sanders. So when you start understanding those dynamics, by the way, I don't think they'll, you'll probably learn this in political science class. Um, so I'm teaching this to you. Consider it a very interesting dynamic. Because, uh, uh, people have called this dynamic, other great political writers, you have the establishment, you have social democracy, right? In, in, in Russian history, it was a czar was the establishment, you had the Mensheviks. In Indian political history, it was the colonial powers, and you literally had the Congress Party of India, which was led by Gandhi. You know, we've all think Gandhi was an agent of change. He was actually a tool of the British government to stop actually the natural incl inclination of the, of the Indian people to actually overthrow British colonialism. What makes America great is we actually had a good revolution, you see, in 1776. We actually kicked out the old guard. And Jefferson talked about this, you need to do this once in a while. So fast forward to 2016, I've never voted because I frankly just had a huge distaste for both parties. But here was a guy called Donald Trump who was using that platform to hammer away not only at you know, the Democrats but also the Republican establishment. And he was also attacking the media. Very few people have the gumption to do that. And that guy was doing it. And that's when I decided to vote. Uh, I was registered as an independent, voted for him. And after his inauguration, which I was invited to, I decided that I'd run as a Republican. Now you gotta understand, I'm an inventor and a scientist, as Christian says, started many companies, made a lot of money. Typically, the model that you're taught is, over here are the MIT nerds, right? They get to do science and engineering. Over here are the Harvard guys who get to do policy. Um, it's, it's a very segregated world, right? You put people in boxes. So the notion of an inventor scientist running 
is sort of weird to people because they're typically used to lawyer lobbyists. But the history of this country is the founders of this country weren't lawyer lobbyists. You know, Washington was a surveyor. I don't know if you know that. He ran a farm, went to work, and then went back to surveying. Jefferson had a multiplicity of skills. So did Franklin, all of these guys. It's only been in the recent history since the Industrial Revolution, a little bit after that, did we start creating the notion of lawyer lobbyists. Right, you had to look and feel like this, talk this way, dress this way, go to the school, and then you get to run for politics. Harvard Law School is part of that racket. You know, the young kids there are planning out their political careers, you know, in, the, in their mid-20s. But that's not what this country is about. This country is about everyday people participating in governance. You and I, right? It wasn't meant to be a bunch of career politicians who make a career out of politics. You were supposed to serve and then go back to the farm. But most of these guys do not have a job. None of them do, if you really look at them. They can't fix anything, they can't create anything, yet they convince all of us that they can create jobs, build things, and fix things. When you look at Massachusetts, let's look at the actual results here you know, in a very, very uh, clear way. What do we actually have here? We have one of the worst public infrastructures. I assume you guys know that, right? The 2017 Civil Engineering Report came out, the worst public infrastructures in the, in, in the entire country. Worst public integrity, which means politicians are really good at corruption. And then the third, uh, three times the national average in opioid addiction. Those are the facts. Now who's made money off, by the way, opioids has been Mitt Romney. I don't know if you guys know that. He aggregated a bunch of methadone clinics and then he flipped it. So do people really want to solve opioids? Do they really want to solve infrastructure? The overhead on infrastructure projects in uh, Massachusetts around 300%, three times, you know, overhead on top of that. What does well in Massachusetts? What is it? Anyone know? Patriots. Patriots. <laughs> That's true. That's good. Uh, innovation. 33,000 businesses, and it's not because I went to MIT, my alma mater, 33,000 businesses came out of MIT. Two trillion those businesses generated to, per year, to this economy. You see what I'm trying to say? Now, the Harvard guys, don't take this the wrong way, right? Elizabeth Warren, a teacher at Harvard, faked her way to get in, lied to get in. She is a fake Indian. It's a fact. And we've been hammering on it all, you know, since the beginning of my campaign. Finally, the Boston Globe has also started hammering on it. Uh, Mitt Romney. Harvard, right? Charlie Baker, Harvard, right? It's a swamp. And if you really look at Harvard, again, look at it, look at the numbers, read their balance sheet. Harvard is fundamentally a $40 billion hedge fund that fakes as a new university. And I don't mean that in a joking way, just look at the numbers. One to two billion dollars is what they spend for their operating expense. The other 40 billion is for their hedge fund. That's where they make their money. Yet, down the street are all these guys actually making businesses and innovation. They don't participate in politics, do they? And three times the national opioid addiction average. So we're at an important point in American history because when Donald Trump got elected, all these people freaked out. And they're still freaking out. Right? Why are they freaking out? The guy's delivering on his promises. He's saying we should have walls, we should have legal immigration. What's the problem with legal immigration? It's such a patent thing to me. My parents came here legally. 
In fact, you had to apply, you had to submit your resumes, you had to show that you actually had skills to come here. You said your parents came from Italy, right? So we have 11 million illegal aliens. You have people like Elizabeth Warren who went to Malden High School saying, isn't it great that we have illegal aliens? So what are we actually doing to this country? In Massachusetts, again, for every 17 skilled job openings, we only have one person skilled to take on that job. Let me repeat that. It's not like we have a dearth of jobs. We actually have quite a number of jobs, but we don't have enough skilled labor. You get the math here? Now take that same math and take it to the national level. We have, um, to keep it simple, this is the simplest way to understand the economy. The economy has a $20 trillion GDP, which, and to explain what that means in a simple way, if everyone here represented, um, the, uh, each had an income coming in from some work you guys did, and you sum that all up, it would be $20 trillion, like the total income base of the United States. Let's say roughly put 20% on that on an average in taxes. What is 20% of 20 trillion? Four trillion. <laughs> All right, didn't work on your skills. <laughs> so four trillion dollars, right? And that's the budget, okay? So that budget, 20% of that goes to healthcare. All right? But if you look at that four trillion, what percentage of the population is contributing to that uh, four trillion in tax revenue? Anyone know? Ten percent of the U.S. population contributes to eighty percent of that. Ten percent of the U.S. population contributes to eighty percent of that four trillion. So, look, I've run many companies, and I'm assuming some of you guys have taken business classes. You have a profit and loss statement. What's the problem in this equation? Yep. Taxes are too high, although with increased tax reform, that may be yeah. the overall tax code is very complicated. Businesses spend a significant sum of money every year just trying to make sure they're in compliance. That's, yeah, so, so there's a high cost of running a business. But the more fundamental issue is you, we don't have enough customers. So. What's happened with both of these political parties is they take like four or five issues and they separate you into left or right, Republican or uh, Democrat, conservative or liberal, right? And one of those issues, so they'll take abortion, they'll take transgender, they'll take, you wanna raise taxes, you wanna lower taxes, right? But the fundamental issue is we don't have enough people there to even pay taxes. We're making enough higher wages. You follow what I'm saying? We don't have enough high wage earning people, yet, in the case in Massachusetts, for every 17 skilled job openings, uh, only one person skilled. So the issue is we don't produce enough people who actually want to work anymore. Think about that. We don't produce enough people who actually want to work anymore because we brought in a lot of illegal aliens. They take up a set of jobs so other people don't have to do certain jobs. We, but in Massachusetts, we don't have enough electricians. We don't have enough plumbers. We don't have enough med techs. I mean, you go down the list, I'm talking about skilled jobs. They do not, the people aren't doing them because the incentive is you can do other things and make your way. So when you fundamentally look at this, when Trump won, he started going against the big, big narrative that had been built up from both parties and that was a centralization of power. That was big is better, right? That you consolidate power. 
both of these parties, either be it the GOP or the Democrats, particularly in Massachusetts, let me tell you, both of them work in collusion. When I ran as a Republican, Ron Kaufman told me on the phone, as the head of the Republican Party, do not say anything against Democrats. Think about that. What does that mean? So in the current election, except for me, none of these guys are interested in defeating Elizabeth Warren. They're not. They're running it either for building their own brand equity, either for building the coffers of the Republican you know, uh, bank account. And they will use Elizabeth Warren to do that, but, and so there's a number of PAC start. By the way, anyone if you want to make a lot of money, start a PAC against Warren. Seriously, that's what's going on. But you're looking in this room at a, against the individual who's actually committed and knows how to beat Elizabeth Warren. So how many of you want to see Elizabeth Warren defeated? How many of you? Well, if that's the case, then you guys gotta get behind our campaign. Because we have figured out how to defeat her. Because Massachusetts is not a red state, it's not a blue state. It's a state of independence. The math is right there. 4.3 million registered voters. 1.5 million of those registered voters are registered Democrat. 482,000 are registered Republicans. 2.3 million are registered unenrolled independents. Okay? So how do they get across saying this is a blue state? It's not a blue state. The issue has always been run by the lesser of two evils. Right now, Elizabeth Warren, I'm, a, I'm out on the street, Richard will tell you, we go to South Station, North Station, we distribute flyers. I don't need to do data analytics, even though I know how to do it pretty well. When you give handouts, you can see people. Most people who support Warner holding their nose and supporting her. They're looking for an alternate. And that alternate is Shiva Adure. And the reason is because people want real change. They want a real fighter, they want a real innovator, and they want a real Indian. <laughs> they do. And, and only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. Okay? It's a fact. Because when I say a real Indian and a fake Indian, you're talking about Elizabeth Warren is the face of the establishment. Remember what I talked about? She is actually the face of the establishment. She's actually the face of the military industrial academic complex. That's what she's the face of. It's what the Republican President Eisenhower warned us about. You guys read about this? Go look at his 1961 speech. When he was leaving, after his presidency, he probably didn't want to get shot. He talked about what people, you know, call the deep state. It's not a conspiracy theory. There is a collusion between the military, big corporations, and big academia. And Senator Fulbright, who has the Fulbright Scholarship is named after, the Democrat talked about this. And this is not conspiracy theory. You know, the Clintons know this well, the Bushes know this well, the Romneys know this well, and the Obamas know this well. And Elizabeth Warren knows this well. Why is it that that woman has said nothing against Harvard, which is the biggest corporation that we know, $40 billion in endowment, that doesn't pay a cent in taxes until hopefully they'll start paying something out? Right? Why is that? Why is it nothing's ever written bad about Harvard? Think about that. Half of the Supreme Court justices are from Harvard. Right? It's like the brand you cannot touch. But I'm telling you, it is a sewer that feeds a swamp in, in Washington, D.C. 30% of the admissions to Harvard are legacy admissions. 30%. Pay to play. 
You want to set up a professorship there? It's not based on meritocracy. It's based on how much money you give. But no one talks about this, but I will talk about it because you're looking at someone who came from nothing. You're looking at someone who's worked, like all of you, hard. Who, you know, is what America's supposed to be about. We're supposed to be a nation of meritocracy, aren't we? Why does Elizabeth Warren think it's okay to cut in line and say she was a Native American? It's the same sentiment that says it's okay to cut in line and be an illegal immigrant, that you don't have to follow the law. You see, and that's not what makes nations great. What makes nations great, what made this nation great, and is why my parents came here, was because it was based on hard work. It was based on discipline, committing to a goal, you know, working your butt off. That's what it's supposed to be, right? I mean, we went to this Malden event, Elizabeth Warren, using the P word openly. Now you have Hillary Clinton using the B word openly. And telling people it's okay to cheat and lie and not have borders and come in legally. That's when you have the destruction of a society. So Donald Trump's winning was historic to this country. If the Clintons had won, game, set, match. I'm telling you that right now. So in Massachusetts, you know, you are young people. You need to look at your futures, and I want to win the future for you. And that's going to come through jobs, jobs, and jobs, okay? We need to have, you know, you know who the most racist people are? It's the Democratic Party. Elizabeth Warren is racist because she took advantage of a, a minority who could have come in. How do you, look at Boston. Supposedly the haven of liberal, you know, the liberals, right? What is the average black person's net worth here? Anyone know? Nope, you're way off. $8. Average person, a white person, $250,000. Now you tell me, is that segregation or what? So we're not addressing, I mean, I'm sorry, African-American people are getting screwed over. This is not race or not race. It is a fact. Poor whites are getting screwed over. The American working people are getting screwed over. And it's people like you and I which need to change that. People actually know the meaning of hard work. And how do we do that? Well, we need vocational technical schools. Very simple solution. Put two Votech schools in every inner city. Incentivize people. You know what? Okay, you're on welfare for three years. I'll give you three years to get off. You know, you can make six figures. By the way, you really can. You can make six figures getting a skill. Have a home, try to get a good plumber, man. It is really freaking hard. <laughs> People will pay for them, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to make six figures, get a skill. Online education, amazing, right? You can learn a lot of stuff online. I know you guys pay a lot to go to your classes, but I'm sure you guys cram and the night before you're learning a lot of stuff online. Am I right? Okay. Universities are giving out the stamps, the branding, that's what you're paying for. Are you really paying for education? I don't know. Okay, you guys gotta decide that. We know the racket, right? So what I'm trying to tell you is we have a huge opportunity here and we have to address the real needs of people. And that's the working people who are east, west of 495, 
you know, the innovators, and then we address the issue of minorities. And I know their plight. I grew up in New Jersey. You know, my, you know, everyday working people were who I were my friends. I know the issue of minorities. I am a minority. I came from a background of minorities. You know, and I know what it means to work hard, to go and earn a living, to actually create things. Everything I've created came from taking an idea, creating it, using the IP process, bringing people together, selling it, and making money off it, hiring people. No one ever gave me anything. Yes, you know, I did build stuff. Elizabeth Warren has never built anything. So we have a huge opportunity here. You know, I can, in your question and answer, I'll go into all the details, but fundamentally it's about everyone declaring their independence from their establishment. It's about us recognizing that we should have clean government, we should have real health, and we should have real jobs. Those are the three things that I'll talk more about. But in the interest of time, I'm going to stop and then give you guys a chance to answer. We have time for discussion, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much. So you can stop that. <laughs>